0: Welcome to a Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about, game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Um, so, so, hey, how's it going? How's your summer? How is your fall lineup? How is the strike going? So, I'm recording this September 5th. It, it should be up really soon, maybe tomorrow. Uh, we are going to be talking about internet game shows. Why are we talking internet game shows? Quite simply put, because there's a writers strike and there's a sag after a strike and there's so many strikes going on and essentially tv is going to be full of game shows and reality shows and i've already covered everything that they're going to do i've kind of predicted it go figure uh they're going to stand they're going to stand out survivor and amazing race and put on shows like loteria loca and raid the cage We will be covering those shows later, not today's episode, of course, later when those shows get released and I can watch them and review them. You will hear them. Don't worry. But for now, we're going to be talking about something different. We're going to be talking about the Internet. I hate the Internet. I used to really love going on message boards and chatting with friends about video games and all that. But because of the rise of social media, it's made people a lot stupid. And it's made a lot of content horrible. And I mean really, really horrible. We're talking about cruel pranks. We're talking about video game playthroughs complete with people getting angry that they're playing a video game. Uh, People with really bad takes about movies And just all sorts of nonsense that just makes me just hate the internet. If you want more about this, I have other podcasts where I talk about this. But in game show land, most game shows are either fan-driven, like fan people playing Jeopardy. There are uh, Twitch-sponsored game shows, which I say are just not game shows and just plagiarized. Even though they're not plagiarized, they're just free formats. Anyone can do their own version of Plinko. Uh, and there are essentially uh, just boring contests. Mr. Beast has game shows from time to time. They're just like radio touch the truck contests. We've talked about that a bit. Uh, but uh, when it comes to internet game shows, they're all in the streaming services. And they're all that sort of competition sort of show, like America's Best Next Janitor or, hey, uh, who can make the best fruit salad kind of shows. It, it, and they're very boring. Most of the time they're ripping off Bake Off or uh, they're trying to do a project runway but for something else. Because <laughs> if it's not that, it's a dating show. And, I mean, there's already Boy Island. There's already Too Hot to Handle. Then there's things like The Circle, which is this great reality format, but then sort of misses the point on Netflix. And Then Netflix has The Mole, and that really missed a mark. So most game shows on streaming suck. I hate to say that. There is um, Devil's Game uh, coming soon to Netflix, which I will tell you, going to be a fucking hit. Fantastic show. Mark my words, hit the park. If you love The Genius Game, check out Devil's Game on Netflix. Things like Run for Money Battle Royale was fun. Uh, There's things like uh, Last One Laughing on Amazon. There's a reboot of Takeshi's Castle right now on Amazon, by the way. Friend of the show, uh, Josh, who was on the Takeshi's Castle episode, is on that version. And I'm so excited about that. Bravo, Josh. You rule uh check him out he does a shrug on block block Uh, (laughs) so it's 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 fun uh so check those out but in terms of internet game shows they're all kind of lazy or terrible or bullshit and not good so today's episode we're going to be talking about four internet game shows that i feel are worthy of your time to just even check out And they are on streaming services technically, but they're kind of on their own individual accounts. Uh, For instance, Jetlag is on Nebula, which is this documentary information service. And the other three are all on Dropout, which is a college humor original comedy channel, but it's all unscripted comedy shows, more like improv in general. So um, we're going to be talking about all four of those today, and we hope you enjoy them. Uh, The first one we're going to be talking about today is, of course, on Nebula, and that is Jet Lag. It is one of the most influential game shows, I think, in current history. I think it's one of the first uh, Gen Z game shows. We're going into generational of game shows. I think Jet Lag has perfected what Gen Z people and a bit of millennials want in a television show so here is my quick review of Jetlag the game Jetlag is a very interesting game show in fact it's one that I've been kind of excited to talk about for quite a while now we have to start with the formalities here Jetlag is a reality competition series that's available on YouTube as well as the internet, specifically Nebula, nebula.com slash jetlag if you want to get a free trial or whatever the hell they want me to sell. So how it started is that Sam uh, Denby, who is from Wendover Productions, uh, has this YouTube channel called Half as Interesting, which is one of my favorite little channels uh, because one of my big favorite things on YouTube is that of the intelligent kind of documentary kind of stories. Uh, when I was starting out on YouTube, one of my favorites was the Mental Floss channel with Hank Green uh, spewing some factoids about stuff. Before he became big famous writers, the the vlog brothers as they were. Uh, so Sam had this channel called Half as Interesting and a couple of writers... And he helped start Nebula, which is this sort of creator-owned convoy, kind of like Means TV, kind of like Dropout, all based around documentaries, essentially. Uh, Intelligent programming, essentially the kind of shit that Discovery Channel used to really care about and then sort of fell by the wayside for things like Ancient Aliens. Although that's more History Channel. (coughs) So... The half-as-interesting channel has a nebula, and their big project that they attempted was something called Crime Spree. Crime Spree is kind of the precursor to jet lag, and is one I just want to quickly get into. It's essentially, the contest is who can break the most laws in the most states in a certain time limit. I think it was 48 hours or so? And... It was essentially kind of like jet lag. They fly out, they, do, they learn about the law, what the legal system was that caused this thing to happen, and then do it, like driving barefoot, or drinking outdoors, something like that. <clears throat> and then it goes into a little history factoid, and it was very fun. But then they decided to amp it up with a new YouTube channel called Jet Lag, which also became a Nebula series. And in each season of Jetlag, it features three main contestants. Sam, the main voice and host, as it were, of Jetlag and Half as Interesting. And two of his writers, who are also the challenge creators, Adam Chase, perfect name, and Ben Doyle, everyone's favorite little boy. Basically, the McElroy brother of the channel. And essentially... The contest is different every season. It's not like The Amazing Race where you have a race around the world, but there was a race around the world called circumnavigation in season two. Each season has a different challenge, and sometimes they involve doing a challenge at the state and then earning the state. Other times it's a card, other times it's tag. I wanna go through as many as I can, but I don't wanna spoil that much, if that makes sense. But essentially, if it's not going to be Adam, Ben, and Sam, it's two teams of two. It's Adam and and Ben, who we'll call the writers, the creators, and Sam and a guest. And that guest is typically one who does these amazing shows on Nebula or YouTube based on their own interests, such as math or science or physics, which makes it a perfect kind of celebrity game show to watch. As essentially, they use what originally was America as America the game into a global board game, which makes it a whole lot better when it comes to coming up with ideas. The very first season was called Connect for Across America. And the idea was you had to fly to a United States Capitol building, draw a challenge card and then perform that challenge card. And if you did, you ended up winning that state. And if you got four in a row, you win. And it was such a great first season. I once again do not want to spoil anything of who wins and who loses, but it's such a smart idea of turning the entire United States and its coordinates into essentially Connect Four. Season two, which wasn't even that long afterwards, was circumnavigation. Uh, They basically have to go the entire length around the world. They don't have to go to a specific destination. They don't really have to do much. All they have to do is reach enough mileage to quote unquote circumnavigate and make it back to Denver, Colorado and touch a flagpole. And it is such a fun thing because the gimmick was to get the money to buy the flights, you have to perform challenges. So somewhat like road rules back in the old 90s MTV days. There was all sorts of different things. Now the challenges on jet lag are not the typical challenges. I would say on reality show. There is no find the needle in haystack like Amazing Race. There is no. There is a little bit of the memorize something, especially in later seasons. But uh, there's all like only once in a blue moon do you see the bungee jump challenge, as it were. <clears throat> So that is uh, Circumnavigation Season 2. Season 3 is the one everyone loves. And they say that's the season to watch. Tag across Europe. Where essentially instead of a team game, it's an individual challenge. Kind of like Hunted or The Runner, but with Europe. The gimmick is there's three main coordinates. And then like a center stage, which I think was France. And the idea is you have to get to your destination first. But after three days, whoever is the runner in their coordinate wins the game. And I think that was very fun because you got to see ways that they earn coins to earn challenges and how they hide and throw each other off to make it an interesting reality show. There is no camera crew on the show. The contestants themselves, Sam, Adam, Ben, and the guest all have phones attached to GoPros and they have their own little mic packs. So they're doing their own shooting and recording, which gives it a more real approach to the show in addition to having a bonus camera on site through a tripod for bonus sort of situations including challenges which makes it a very well creative crafty little show season four is called battle for america and essentially it's kind of like an upgrade version of connect four where the idea is that you just earn states that's it once you enter a state you do a challenge and you win that state and then kind of like Othello if you have two states that pair like you 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 have Nevada and then you win Oregon and California you can challenge for Nevada and win that state and lock it in and whoever has the most states wins and it's sort of like this campaign race sort of theming which was really cool and funny. Then they go back around the world uh, where they went to New Zealand and made a board game based on interstate systems in New Zealand. As boring as that sounds, it actually made for a much interesting challenge situation in terms of when to skip a challenge or what to do when you need uh, to continue a challenge, but you want to skip it. And much like, like early Amazing Race, where sometimes teams would like, fail a challenge and have that 60-minute pe- penalty and it's a race against the clock, so did that season in multiple ways, as well as learning about the entirety of New Zealand in a very fun, fancy way uh, that's also very stupid as well. So it's, it's a mix of smart and stupid that is so my jam. Finally, season uh, six, I think season six, was capture the flag across Japan. It's sort of like TAG, but the idea was they're using the the Tokyo train stations. They go to vending machines, I believe, and then they grab and that's the flag. It's not like a little flag. It's like you grab a drink from the vending machine, and you got to take it. But just like in TAG, if you get caught... You go back to start and there's a little thing. It's a very fun little show. As of this recording, I think they're doing Tag Year It season two, which is the first sequel to a challenge on jet lag. But that just sort of started and I haven't seen much of it, but probably by the time this episode comes out, there would already be a couple of episodes or even the full season. And I really want you guys to check it out. When it comes to a game show on the internet, a lot of them are really hokey. And when it comes to something like this, they took the familiar tropes of The Amazing Race and they turned it into a fun travel log game show. There is no grand prize. There is no cash money or anything. The winners of the show get a really poor JPEG of a trophy handed to them by the opposing team. And then it concludes with the familiar uh, phrase of how do you feel to the guest? And essentially trying to egg them to say the term jet lag. Because obviously they're very exhausted. So that's why I really like jet lag the game. For a a show that is um, crafty and creative and smart They have well-delivered challenges. It's like go to Bucky's or go to an In-N-Out Burger. And they have fun little gameplay theories that almost like the genius has the elevation of strategy. And then it's all presented through the narration of sam welcome back to Jetlag. when we last left off me and my partner went to this place and did this challenge but adam and ben were right ahead with us with this little challenge and we need to make sure we get to this before this so we can go to this but something didn't happen and then they go back to the challenge it's so great and i don't think uh, the editing gets really any sort of uh, appreciation because for a reality show reality show editing is really difficult especially when these are clearly all best friends and you don't want anyone to feel like the villain so it's more played for laughs it's more played for i need to get any advantage i can and then you see sam Looking at the phone and seeing like every single destination, every phone, every plane ride, every train stop and any possibility of where they might be headed next. Then you see Adam and Chase and they're like, well, you know, Adam and Ben are like, well, you know, if Ben does this, we can do this. And if they use this, we can do this. But there's also this card that we created, which could also do. And they're also plotting because they've designed the game. So there even though it's best friends playing against each other it's there's a lot of layers to it in addition to it being a tour show and being a team versus team game there's this whole underlying message of can Sam and a mystery guest beat Adam and Ben at their own game that they've created which makes for a more fun kind of I would say rivalry, than you wouldn't really see on other shows. When you look at most challenge competition things on YouTube, it's like the flip cup cinnamon challenge and all of that garbage kind of thing that's just played out so many times. And it's never really fun. It's all very pedantic. It's all very. Uh, what's the best way to describe it? YouTube voice. You know what I mean like that hey YouTube today we are going to try and gargle talk challenge and it's just that sort of th- but when it comes to this because it's the challenge itself is done in the middle of a competition they can't really go into full YouTuber mode so it's just gargle and try to figure out something. Oh, fuck okay <laughs> and then they just go through and try and perform the challenge for me, that is what makes Jetlag such a fantastic show. Because much like what a lot of YouTube wants to do, which is adapt and change the format, they do. Every season, there's a new game. There's a new destination. There's a new locale. Sometimes they're playing in America. Sometimes they're playing in New Zealand, Japan. And it's always a different country. And it's a different sort of game. And I love that idea of just the feeling that they could adapt and expand and the, the budget for something like this is is really pricey but not to the point of like bankruptcy like i would say maybe 50 to 100,000 if we're going through all of the flights and all this and that includes phones and meals and hotels and all that uh the first season had its own special unique twists involved too when it comes to finances and now that they went to coins instead of cash it does uh, make it more palatable for people who aren't american to check out this show in addition to being more uh i wouldn't say characterish they're not characters but now you've kind of after see a few seasons you know how these people perform You have Sam, who is very calculated and is trying to basically know everything about trains. Then you have Ben, who is just a goofball who will do anything stupid or silly or embarrassing if it means getting a little advantage. So he's the comical kind of character that you kind of root for because he's kind of quirky and fun. Then you have Adam who would be on any reality show ever because he's perfectly casted for something like this. He's someone who's a slightly – I hate to say arrogant because he seems like a really fun person. But this arrogant kind of, I can beat this game. I can win. I know everything that is to do. I can challenge this. And then when it comes time to a problem because like any reality show, there's always going to be an issue and that's what makes the, the challenge – You see that sort of dread. You feel that sort of humanity in Adam when he freaks the fuck out because we would be doing the same thing. And for that, it's sort of fun. And unlike the amazing race where the idea is they start yelling at each other, go fuck yourself where I just want to get to destination and we'll talk later. They're all friends. So if they fail a challenge, and there's not a million bucks on the line. It's just a fucking JPEG. So they're just sort of like, ah, well, we fucked up. But that's okay. I still love you, friend. And they hug each other out. It's great. So for me, Jetlag has all of the positivity that people love about the Great British Bake Off. With some of the great, clever uh, game theory that you would find in the Genius. With a bit of the Amazing Race or a Travelog series. But it's in an easy-to-digest, anywhere between three to eight-episode arch that makes it such a delight to watch whenever they show up. It's not a real TV show, keep in mind. There is no... It's oh, There's a set 10-episode air date. It's whatever they feel it's worth, which I think also proves why Nebula is such a great force for something like this, because they have the creative control to edit, to produce to talk about, to uh, shorten, to lengthen, however they want for a game show like this. So for a game show like Jetlag, which doesn't have a prize, is it really a game show? Yes, because there is a contest. There is a competition at stake. And additionally, it feels like a reality show fan game, but adapted and modified and changed. That It's something unique. To them, and something that I think if anyone else tried to replicate would just not be as good. They somehow found lightning in a bottle with this jet lag format in a way that I find very educational, very silly, very fun, and one that I just can't wait for the next season. And if you don't care about travel logs, you will still probably like it because of the fact it's just a quick fire game show there's a bit of like taskmaster elevated thinking where it's like well you have to find a bug and it's like well uh, does it have to be a real bug Is It gonna be a fly can it be th- and there's a lot of elevated thought when it comes to the competitions so for me i really really enjoy jet lag and for me that's what makes it so fun i will spoil one thing the soundtrack is great. The graphics are great. Adam and Ben are a great team, and Sam and the guests are a great team. But personally speaking, I think uh, when the best seasons and the best episode uh, <clears throat> was in circumnavigation when they had the finale. Uh, I know it's early season, but essentially... Uh, Without spoiling much, there is a big scene where they're in Boise, Idaho, and the idea was that they're going to try and do a double dip situation, and they both end up on the same flight, and they did not know that, so going into the last episode, uh, I think it's Sam points the camera right at Adam and goes, hey, how's it going, friend? And he looks at the camera, he sees Sam, and has this, sh- like, oh, shit look on his face. Like, how the fuck did you know we're here? And how the hell did you end up on this flight? In a way that makes it really good. Unfortunately, the payoff on... Uh, no, that's... A, is that Connect 4, I think? It was that one. Um, but the payoff is rewarding about that. Additionally... Um, There is one that's the most – there's two big failure moments I wouldn't want to say about jet lag. One is – again, I hate spoilers. Uh, Sam and the guest end up in Singapore, and the idea was that they're going to gamble their money at the casino to pay for the flight to L.A. so they can finish the job. And they lose their ass. (laughs) But the funny thing was, one of the challenges was have a good time, spend two hours having fun somewhere, and you get $200. So they have fun at the casino and still blow the $200. But unfortunately, they lost all their money, so they couldn't make it to Denver. So by default, the other team wins. Uh, And I thought that was really sad. Additionally, in Tag Across Europe, one of the most heart-wrenching things I have seen ever in a lot of reality television, was Adam was it. And he had to basically get to, I think, Jersey in the UK. And he is it. But the problem was he's using his own credit cards and debit cards uh, to pay for the flights and the and the trains and everything. And he ends up having the biggest anxiety because right before the challenge started, they froze his cards. So he's freaking the fuck out because the main purpose of the game is I, I need to buy and go tickets to drive and train and he can't do that. And there is no like company car to use or anything for him. So because it was so early seasons, he's crying. He's freaking out. He has the worst anxiety. And it becomes very, very prevalent when one that like in later seasons. I think it was Japan, or uh, I think it was maybe the Taguarette, when he couldn't use his phone. So he's having a meltdown because he can't use his phone. He doesn't have a credit card, and he still needs to find a way to get to his home's place. It just becomes this sort of tragedy that I don't think a lot of reality shows can capture realistically but for me works beautifully all of this is by the way free on youtube but i also recommend finding it on nebula because to me that's what's paying the bills for the show like this so please check it on nebula or on youtube if you, you want to go for a free version you'll be glad you did it is such a fantastic show it's one of the things that made me so excited about the internet to get me alive about the concept of internet game shows again so please check out Jetlag. so i just love jet lag I, I, I really i can't wait for that next season uh before we go into the dropout shows let's talk about bob barker shall we since we last talked about game show network shows bob barker did pass away and it would be rude of me to not Bring that up because Bob Barker is considered by many to be one of the greatest hosts of all time. In fact, that was on his door, world's greatest MC. And for good reason, he knows how to work a crowd, play to an audience at home, play the tension up, play everything up, and be this weird guy that, like, when everyone thinks a game show host, they think like a Wink Martindale type of tell them what they won, Johnny. But Bob Barker is essentially game shows. He is essentially America's game show host. And him passing away is still very sad. Now, yes, you can talk about all the controversies and speak ill of what he did with the models, the fight with Betty White and all sorts of of situations like that. But when it comes to the Price is Right and True for Consequences, he was perfect. And I mean perfect. If something went wrong on the show, he used it for comedy. He, he played up to it. He was willing to let contestants be themselves. He was willing to have fun with the show in a way that made hosting effortless for anyone watching. When it came to the show, there's so many m- moments that people want to bring up. Uh, for me, my favorite... Uh, Price's is right moment with Bob was uh they had Super Bowl which was this like game that's kind of like hole in one but with skee ball and I love skee ball and the idea was that the the contestant threw the ball <laughs> like it was like you just toss it and he got pissed. He's like no you're supposed to roll it. Here let me grab the ball real quick because it got stuck. Let me let me grab it. And he pulls like the side of the prop and then it hits him in the shin. And for like a minute, she, he goes. Oh my shin! Oh uh, damn! I knew that would happen. Uh. <laughs> and I fucking laugh. Uh, essentially, he breaks the shit out of the set. He breaks the shit out of squeeze play or flip flop. And to me, that that's just the kind of notion of Bob Barker. So. For me yeah, when when I got the news of Bob Barker's passing at one point I'm like well he's 99 so it's like no shit but at the same time it's still but he's still an iconic part of game shows like it's hard to really think of the price is right without Bob Barker and yes there's Drew Carey and yes there's Bill Cullen but Bob Barker's Price is Right was Price is Right There are days on current, like 2023, Price is Right, where contestants still say $1 Bob" to Drew Carey, who has hosted that show for over 15 years. (laughs) He gets into silliness. But Bob is an icon, and he will be missed. I think everyone will say they love game shows even once, or they just say, I watch Price is Right when I'm sick. They miss Bob, and I, I think that's one of the biggest uh, tragedies when it comes to this, is just the losing of an icon. But uh, the show must go on. Drew Carey's still doing a great job on The Price is Right. That show is available on Paramount+. I should really say this right now. If you love The Price is Right with Bob Barker, you can watch episodes right now on Pluto TV, Price is Right the Barker Years. You can watch Drew Carey episodes on Pluto TV anytime you want. Now, you don't have to fake a sickness. And if you want to watch the newest episode that day of The Price is Right, it is on Paramount+. Plus. Just take it with you. And most likely with the way streaming services are these days, you might as well take it because you can watch that. You can watch Survivor. You can watch Big Brother. You can watch all sorts of fun stuff. So speaking of streaming services, Dropout is a independent streaming service not beholden to the corporations of paramount but that of whatever sam righteous company is and it used to be a, a college humor and then shit happened and now it's a unscripted comedy channel full of improvisational game shows but the most important one i feel isn't dimension 20 but that of game changer when I decided I wanted to do an episode about internet game shows, it's tough. Because for me, internet game shows are a lot of pub quiz style Twitch streams or Twitch streamers bootlegging other game shows like Family Feud or Pointless. And it's, it's sort of annoying. I, I, and I, I mean this in, in a nice way. Because I... There are people in the game show fandom that just love game shows and want to play the game shows, and I'm not attacking those people. I think they're just playing because they love the game shows and they just want to have a game night. That's good. A lot of these people have software and they want to show it off. Again, pretty good. I'm talking about the, hey, we're doing a bootleg Wheel of Fortune presented by some cryptocurrency thing on Twitch featuring some Twitch streamer that you've never heard of but is apparently very popular. That kind of situation. Now, th- there's things like, uh, for instance, a uh, Name your price, uh, which was on G4. Eh, we, we, we've already covered that show and it, it's probably going to be on it's probably on the, it's already on the patreon, but it'll be up eventually in the main feed. But the one I really want to talk about was game changer. Uh, and I, when I was trying to do research and do all my usual game shows, I suppose, monologues about game shows, I realized that Game Changer is hard to really explain. And that's sad, because I, I think it's one of the best game shows, period. So, uh, Game Changer's premise is that they have improv actors, or comedians, or the cast from College Humor, As contestants on a show hosted by Sam Reich, the uh, CEO of Dropout, and might I say, a very stylish man. And the gimmick is that you know how the game works, right? No. Exactly. Because they do not know what game exactly they're about to play. The only way to learn is by playing. The only way to win is by learning. And the only way to begin is by beginning. So without further ado, players, and then they start the show. Each episode is completely different, except for this time when they do a game Samer, which is the same game played again. Uh, What I've noticed with those game samers is that sometimes those end up being spun off into other shows. For instance, uh, they've had three contestants and they had prompts, and it's essentially just whose line is it anyway for points, and that got spun off into Make Some Noise, which is an improv comedy show we'll probably explain, I don't know, probably not, because that's not really a game show. So there's improv games, there is, what I would say puzzle games, where... The contestants are playing a game, but there's like one simple rule. And once they figure out the rule, they crack the puzzle. There's improv games like slideshow presentations. There's actual game shows like there's trivia questions or uh, fun little mini rounds. And it just goes into bizarre. I would say in terms of as a game show aficionado, as someone who's covered game shows for so long, It's a great show because they just experiment on the show. The last time a show has done that experimentation was Game Garage with Tom Scott. The reason we're not really covering Game Garage with Tom Scott is because, quite frankly, it's no longer a series. I want to do active shows. Game Garage with Tom Scott, because we're going to just go off course here... Was a show on YouTube where Tom Scott invites people to his garage to play basic game shows for low stakes, like 20 quid. And they're all very pr- pretty normal sounding game shows, like true or false quizzes, or if you win, you get time and the time matters for this. The kind of situations that you see play tested before pitching to a major network, a game show, especially in Britain, who really loves quiz games. Game Changer has that similar approach, but instead of letting the contestants in on how the game works, they get them out of the loop because it's funnier. It's a it's a comedy forward show. Uh, for instance, one of my favorite episodes, first season, was called Yes or No, where the whole premise was over and over again. Sam would go yes. Or no. It's kind of like a deal or no deal Howie Mandel. Like just yes or no. And the three contestants are acting confused. N- no. Y- yes. No. The correct answer was yes. One point. <laughs> and it just becomes a what's, what's the gimmick? What's the catch? What is it? Is it yes? Is it yes, no, yes, no? What's... And it's just... Is it the inflection? What What's... And they're trying to crack the code of what is the game. That was such a fun one. Additionally, there is one that I like in recent times, uh, which is more of like a punishment game show. And again, I don't like Humiliation that much on television and all that. But it's such a lighthearted, silly kind of one that I kind of like. It is called um, Secret Samta. The premise is that there are mystery boxes, 15 in fact, and like a secret Santa, uh, you can steal a prize, like a white elephant. Now, what they do is the contestants look in the box, they see that it could be a prize or a punishment, and then they have to say out loud what they just saw. They could lie if they want to. So it could say like, uh... Uh, Bluetooth heads like Bluetooth headphones uh, and they can say like it's candy just candy or it's something like do 20 jumping jacks or something something like that and then you have a 10 second timer does anyone want to steal and then they reveal it and if they get the prize then they get it. if they take it and it's a punishment they have to do the punishment and the game continues from there that is a very fun little show because essentially kind of what they wanted to do with Big Brother with those mystery prize games, but in a way that is more of a classic style game show, even though the prizes are relatively low stakes. Um I think the biggest prize that they gave away on that show was your rent has been paid for the month. Like, yay. <laughs> um But it's such a fun little premise because there's things like, uh, take a prize. Uh, one of the more famous ones was this cruelty kind of thing where they had like humiliating punishments. Like I bet you will. And the idea was there's a safe of money and you take money if, if you want to do the challenge and it goes to the lowest bidder, uh, if anyone wants to do it. And so, so someone goes, I'll do it for 50. I'll do it for 100. And the big twist at the end was the the way to break the game. Because every single game of Game Changer is supposed to be broken. And, and that's something that I really love. Is sh- it, The premise of Game Changer is you have to break the game. The, there is a distinct, correct way to win the game and you have to break it. And on Game Changer, for this uh, Vault of Money punishment show, they had to come up with the laziest, weakest challenge, and everybody agrees to the same um, for the full rest of the money, so they could split it three ways. And then the joke was, because it's the easiest challenge, that does the least amount of effort for them, with the highest payout... Sam puts up this play. Congratulations, players, you have unionized. And it makes this great sort of funny way of saying like you've beat the cruelty of Sam and his game show because he knew that was going to happen because that was the way to finish the show. Um, To me, that is what makes Game Changers such a delight. It's set is like a classic 70s kind of set. There's the carpet. There's little painted uh, loop de loops, as they call them. And a little uh, a curtain that displays some cruel twist to the game, like oh here's a uh, snakes because heart monitor ooh spooky. Uh, but instead of doing the oh no snakes and spiders, they kind of more play it for laughs. It's it's not trying to go full on let's shit on game shows. It's going on full on. This is what game shows have kind of become and satirizing that as a genre but they're doing it in ways that are either very cheap and i mean that in a positive way or in ways that are very funny for instance uh, si- uh sam says which is just simon says and if you fail and you know you did something but sam didn't say you lose a point point. and while it sounds easy at beginning it gets into this cruel fate where it is uh, you hear Sam says, but it's not Sam, it's Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything. And then suddenly, I didn't say that. That was Adam Conover. You all lose a point. Or Sam says freeze, and it's just like you in this wait of shit long time for the purpose of fucking you over. If you have people getting fucked over, Game Changer is also for you. Now, here is the thing. Game Changer has a lot of great twists and turns and loop de loops They even had a reality show, Battle Royale style, uh, that was like a twist to Survivor mixed with challenge competition shows. So they had like a, a food contest, Howie Mandel did talent judging. And at the end, uh, the prize was a trip anywhere the winner wanted around anywhere in the world. On Sam's Dime. And that was a really fun little easy little premise. And it's such a fun little spin-off of Game Changer. But what I like about Game Changer is that they do offer prices. <laughs> now it's not necessarily the like greatest prices. <laughs> it's not necessarily uh like um we're not saying big money, we're not going millions of dollars, it's not a Netflix show it's not on Mr. Beast video. But it's things like a Roomba vacuum or a, uh, a pair of headphones. And sometimes it's in spirit to the show. So if there was like a food contest, an air fryer. Um, one of the more famous games was also an improv game called Sell Me. And the idea was that the three contestants all became salesmen and they got these fake products and they had like 30 seconds to convince Sam they should buy this. And much like a rea- like a improv show, they get one point or two point or three point based on what Sam wanted. And it really broke Sam because he didn't really take into consideration how many times people would ask him, where are you from? So he has to keep bringing Massachusetts and just after the first two times he goes from I'm from Massachusetts to like the 20th time. It, it breaks him into I'm from Massachusetts. No, actually, I'm from here. <laughs> it just becomes this this fun little premise. And I think that's what I like about uh, Game Changer is They are willing to experiment. They did a a fucking escape room episode last season in ways that was just brilliant. And I thought it was one of the best episodes of Game Changer because it was just a fucking escape room. The premise was the contestants were in the green room. Sam walks up to them and says, hey, we're going to have fun today. Uh, I'll see you down at the studio. And then locks them in the green room and they have to do a... The escape room challenge and they have to break in, in, in an hour with the price being of course they win a trip to an actual escape room <laughs> it becomes a screen twist of fate uh, also there's confetti at the end which is always fun um, so that's what I really enjoy about Game Changer is that there's so many ways the show goes there's improv games to make it feel like a jackbox party pack there are these trivia kind of things where it is what's wrong with this picture. There's puzzles where it's this, there's this one simple rule. If you can figure it out, you win this show. And it just delves from there. And every season, they repeat some or they don't. Uh, one episode, they just got the improv Shakespeare people to do a full-on Shakespeare play with the premise of And then we give you points for every sort of thing that fits the criteria that we added. Like you have to bring in names of game shows or you have to name uh, songs. So it becomes a sort of fun little twist to a normal game show in a way that I think is very, very exciting. When I first saw Dropout, it was the first show I watched. And I fell in love with it. And I'm glad that because of Game Changer, you get things like Dirty Laundry and make some noise and all these other improv shows. Because the best way to describe dropout is that it used to be a sketch comedy thing like funny or die. Money bullshit hit, and then they lost money. So they went into this sort of re sort of reschedule, re remix. I don't know the, ner- <laughs> the name, but they uh, revamp it. So now it's essentially unscripted comedy shows. So you have things like Dimension 20, which is a D&D show. You have Dirty Laundry. You have Make Some Noise. You have Play It By Ear. You have Game Changer. You have uh, Breaking News. All sort of these little mini games that are just comedy game shows, essentially. So... It combines two of my favorite things, comedies and game shows, into this fun little reality that is enjoyable. Most people will probably watch Dimension 20 for Brian Lee Mulligan uh, playing a dungeon master with with drag queens or with with, uh, Matt Mercer in all sorts of fun scenarios. But for me... I see Brian Lee Mulligan as the villain of game shows where he is so competitive, he breaks down practically in tears because Sam Reich knows this and he is essentially going to fuck with him in any chance he gets. Uh, For instance, in a clip that you might see on YouTube, Name That Bird is one of the mini games that they play on Game Changer where it is everyone's strapped to a heart monitor, including Brandon Lee Mulligan, and it's just, name that bird. That, that's a pigeon? It is a pigeon, point for you. Uh, that's a chicken. It is a chicken! Great job! And Brandon, this is yours! i uh, fuck. Oh, sorry, it was the Portuguese melancholy and just pisses him off. Additionally... Uh, Season one of Yes or No had Brandon Lee Mulligan with a fantastic finale, which is one of the best monologues I've ever heard in all of comedy and game shows. Uh, So for me, Game Changer is just a quintessential comedy game show that is also willing to be a game show at times, willing to be America's panel show or America's taskmaster at other times and just a sort of fun playground situation that the last time I felt that sort of thrill was in early Chris Gefford show uh, seasons. Not the true TV Chris Gafford, the m M&M era Chris Gefford. Uh, because it's just like everything is different and you don't know what's going on and you just have to roll with the punches. That to me is essentially game changer. And for me it's one of those shows where it's like boy i would be a contestant if i wanted to but i also don't want to be a contestant at the same time because it really does test a lot of patience and a lot of endurance mentally and on an improver because sometimes they really do go completely out of left field and the improver doesn't know what quip to say and they are just shocked uh if you want to if you're a game show aficionado uh, there's an improv one that is uh, coffee. I think that was called Like My Coffee was the name of the episode, where it just like match game, like early 70s match game. You have to come up with a joke with a set of premise. Like, I like my women, like I like my coffee. It's essentially the joke. So it becomes like, I like my emails, like I like my donuts. And then you just come up with something like that. I like my sex like I like my television. And then you come up with the punchline. It it goes into that. And I love that sort of fast action improv comedy things. Uh, It reminds me of Bunk, that episode. And that was a short-lived, I believe that was on IFC game show. I think it's on uh, Pluto or Tubi right now. You can watch that too. But Game Changer just is excellent in many ways and i i think it's because of the team that they have at dropout that is what sam himself puts into the show and there is moments where even you and the audience aren't really fully in on it so when that big twist shows up like a game show like a reality show you go oh shit and you start busting out laughing but of course they don't call it twist anymore they call it a loop de loops and I think that's going to be, going forward, the premise of Game Changers finding the loop of the loops uh, But yes, please, if you have a dropout, uh, get a free trial, watch Game Changer. I'm pretty sure a few episodes are up on YouTube, but you'll be glad you did. Because for me, it is a comedy nerd's lateral-thinking game show if you can't do Taskmaster. It's for local improv people, a very fun way to showcase your talents on on a on a streaming service. It is a game show in every literal sense, because there's points and there's prizes and there's a game show host and there's a theme song and a set and everything. And there is a literal rule game where at the end of the show, you can break down the show and go, oh, the premise was you had to do this and then Sam would judge and award a point. And it goes from there. But it, nothing is ever what it seems and nothing's ever concrete. And sometimes they replay it and then they change the rules on something or they twist it. It is such a simplistic way to explain the show. It's a game show. The contestants know they're on, but they don't know how to play it until they play it and and it's that sort of lateral thinking especially with comedy that makes it such a delight because it's the celebration of failure but it's also a celebration of game shows and for me personally that's why i love game changer when it comes to game shows everyone wants to be the screamy jokey oh what the fuck oh shit fuck yeah oh well, here we go guys whoa that sort of twitch bullshit that i hate and here are people who are just very funny writers and very funny actors being able to try and come up with a middle finger snow globe And try and sell that. And that's what I love. People willing to, yes, and over a game show. And for me, that's why I love Game Changer. It's available on Dropout, there's a free trial. It's like five bucks a month. Like every game, like every game show I'm talking about today is very low cost. It's like four to five bucks, maybe six. I don't know the full on pricing. Please check them out. They're very low cost. And to me, that's what the future of these shows are. So please give Game Changer a try. Please. Again, Game Changers is brilliant. They made, so uh, they did a Bachelor episode and Bradley's Bakery was on there and they made a Game Changer cookie. And I had one of them. It's basically a chocolate cookie, but the filling is different, and you don't know what the filling is until you take a bite. So basically, like Game Changer, you're out of the loop until you give it a try. And one was like Reese's Cup. One was a Oreo, like a double-stuffed Oreo. Uh, One had apple pie filling, and it was really good. And I would say it's one of the best cookies I've had in quite a while, and I miss them, and I think that was just a limited-time offering. So, Bradley, please... Please, please bring those back. I love them. Anyway, uh, when, we, when we want to go into dropout, there is comedy. But then there is this sort of alternative. It is funny, but not in the improv sense, but more in what is in modern popular culture in the form of the way we love bullshit that is nerdy. And that is a show called Um Actually, and here's what I think of it. Um, actually is a geeky quiz game show on Dropout, which is one that I thought is really interesting. It's hosted by Mike Trapp, who used to be a writer and actor on the in the College Humor videos and skits. Uh, but because of the pivot that Dropout had, where everything's kind of just limited game show, D&D, etc., it means it's more of a game show channel, and for me, I'm on board um actually feels something that would have been fit on G4 back in the attack of the show era of geek TV but it's its own standalone show that's based around the annoying internet comment section of people going i'm actually you're wrong it's this and they turn that sort of pedantic tree into a game show the premise is simple there are three contestants sometimes two, sometimes teams, but mostly three contestants. And they are basically on the buzzer and they are giving a statement, kind of like. a, And the premise is that they have to correct the error, the era, the error, the error of the statement. Uh, and then they have to ring in and say, I'm um, actually kind of like in jeopardy who is or what is, and then correct the statement like, uh, uh, so it's like Star Trek is a space exploration series. William Shatner plays uh, Captain James T. Kirk on the invention of the USS Enterprise. Leonard Nimoy is Spock, a, uh, a cyborg who is there to help, uh, on the quest. Along the way, there's Bones McCoy. And then essentially, by listening in office, eventually someone rings and goes, um, actually, I don't think Spock is a cyborg. And that becomes the correct response. Most of the time, though, these are played with the nerdy actors, comedians, streamers that we kind of see all the time in podcasts and YouTube videos, uh, like the Screen Junkies, etc., that kind of stuff. And it becomes a sort of fun panel show in addition to being a nerdy correction show. Uh, along the way, there is uh, there is a, a... Besides Mike Trapp and the three contestants, there is help on the show uh, because of Michael Saltzman. Michael Saltzman uh, plays the fact checker, which is kind of like the Richard Osman person on the side who, when someone says a correction... If it's not what they're looking for, he looks it up to try and see like, well, were they on the right track? Maybe they were onto something that we forgot as writing it. Because there's always a possibility of a point that's alternative uh, to the the episode. And in a few episodes, that has become basically prevalent. Well, it's irrelevant, the prize, because there's no prize on the show. What makes it sort of fun is that after something gets corrected... Mike explains why the change happens, why things exist the way they are. They sometimes banter a little bit about the show, like, oh, I never saw Smallville, so I never really knew anything about this, or I've never played this video game, or read this comic book, or watched this anime. But someone on the panel of three most likely did, and it becomes a sort of five-minute anecdote where it's like, oh... Uh, One Piece is one of the best animes I've watched. You do not want to watch the Four Kids dub because that one was really roughly edited. But there's this really cool, when you watch the original one, there's blood, there's violence, and all this other stuff. And as a kid, that traumatized me, but it was really And it becomes this fun little anecdote situation. Uh, Additionally, on Um Actually... Fans submit their own statements and they get a shout out. And I think they do it through the Discord, the dropout Discord, uh, which is very cute because I love that sort of interactivity between the fans and the show. And the last bit of thing is that it's three statements and then a shiny question. And the shiny questions are basically the grab bag of the show, well, it, there'd be a question about a fantasy book or the rules of a board game or the rules of a video game or a story arc about Mass Effect or whatever nerdy shit there is. Shiny questions are very, very nerdy and very, very weird, I would say at least. Like, for instance, there's a spelling bee about like a weird creature or in the most recent episode, spell out the title of all real monsters, and that includes the uh, A-A-A-H-H, which makes it very fun. Additionally, you have things like, uh, what do these six all have in common? Uh, Find the fake amongst the real of video game covers, or what's wrong with this picture and it's a photo of a movie poster, and they got rid of somebody, or they added somebody, And it becomes this sort of uh, interesting what's wrong with this picture game. There's, There's one shiny in each round, and that's one of those mini games. And then they go back to the statements, and they continue. Then another shiny, then another statements, then another shiny. After three statements or two statements and a shiny question, after three rounds of those shinies, The final question in the game is real life skills, which is not nerdy at all. There's no movie question, TV show question, pop culture, anything. It really is just sort of like that QI style. Hey, here's how ceiling fans work. Or, hey, do you want your pet to start using the litter box? Well, this is a helpful advice for you, but there's always going to be something a little off. To me, I love that idea. I love the fact that this is such a play-along show because it is a quiz show, and you want to look at the statements and play along and see how well you can fare on the show, much like an Only Connect puzzle. And then... There's a bit of comedy with Mike trap bantering or being basically kind of like a, sometimes a douchebag host, but in a nice way. Not like Chris Hardwick kind of way, more in like a you forgot to say I'm um, actually someone rings in. I'm um, actually the, 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 exactly what the person said. That's incorrect. It just becomes that sort of fun little banter bit. Um, Saltzman also brings a lot of theater fun to the challenge, and it just makes for a fun little show. Again, this is, even though it's a quiz show and there's points, at the end of the show, whoever has the most points is just the winner. They don't win anything, which was funny because originally I thought that they would win one of the props on the set because one of the coolest things about them actually is probably the set. It looks like a classic nerdy sort of studio, but instead of your, your typical... Nerd culture bullshit like the, like the Captain America shield or a Ghostbusters proton pack. It's all slightly skewed differently things, which is perfect for, um, actually. For instance, the question mark blocks in Mario are semicolon blocks. Uh, Blinky, that's uh, three-eyed fish, is two-eyed. Uh, there is a uh, buff beer. There is, um... The Proton Pack in Ghostbusters looks like a classic Wile e. Coyote carrot in a box situation that's very hilarious. And what I, I really enjoy about the show is that it, it doesn't have commercials. I don't think it does. Maybe it does on YouTube. But on Dropout, it breaks down perfectly that you know the format, you can play along with the format, you can stop and go. I think I've never seen a game show where I feel like, okay, to pause a game show mid-game, grab a snack, and then return to it and not feel like, oh, shit, I got to recap what I missed. Because the flow of the show is so calming, sh- so fun, and so cool. I would say it's one of the cooler internet game shows. Yes, it's just a couch with a fake bullshit prop set and a really cool laptop set for for salts. And Trap has his own little seat with the with the cards. But it becomes this sort of like pop culture trivia show that's not just your basic bare bones. Hey, what's the name of Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters? Out of time is the license plate what 1980s movie? It doesn't do that. It has this fun little spot the error, correct the error thing, but it shows how vast pop culture is in a way that audiences would probably think twice about. Because while we like to think nerd culture is still in this little bubble box, it's now expanded. Everything's in IP. There's so much fucking movies and TV shows and streamer shows and video games that not everybody knows everything. And I think this show best encapsulates that even the elite nerdy comedian people in Los Angeles also have some of the areas that they don't really know about. Some people never grew up watching uh Ben 10. So there's going to be a question coming up about Ben 10. They don't fucking know. There, may, there might be questions about Sonic the Hedgehog, and they've never played video games, period. It makes for a, for a fantastic little show and a very great contest and a very silly play-along factor. And the best part about this show is even though there is... Uh, A game show you could watch right now on Dropout or on YouTube. It's one of the rare games that has its own home game version. There's an um, actually board game, which has a lot of new written prompts for you to read out loud to your friends. And it's a perfect little nerdy quiz bowl game. Like, for instance, like Crow is Silver and Mystery Science Theater 3000. That sort of "I'm um, actually crow is gold," it, that that sort of nerdy culture thing that makes it such a great uh, a party game, and I think that is something that's that's really exciting to watch. And the the what's the best way to describe it? Nerdy culture things on the internet don't really have weight anymore. I think that we have basically sullied all of pop culture, if that makes sense. We, I, I keep saying this on the other podcasts and on Twitter and – oh, sorry, X. Uh, that whole we consume, we vomit, then we consume the vomit. Whatever is your thoughts, we consume that thoughts. And media literacy is dead. And in terms of nerdy pop culture, that is way over the top now because, hey, I'm a nerd. I like Star Wars and all the. Well, no shit. Star Wars is the most popular like IP besides Harry Potter. That's how m- the media companies make their money these days. And we- when things like Attack of the Show existed, I love Attack of the Show. And G4 is gone now, so who cares? Um, but uh, that sort of nerd culture thing was still cool to me. And there's been attempts. There's Geek and Sundry. There is uh, Nerdist. There is Screen Junkies. There is, I guess, Smosh. I guess Rooster Teeth. But each of them are sort of their own version of "I'm cool, you guys." I w- kind, uh, kind of funny. Oh, I play Xbox video games. Cool, neat. I'm not gonna. Ju- I'm not judging any of that shit. But we are now so oversaturated, we have annoying commentary channels that go, Oh, this is real garbage. Oh, shit, fuck. They're ruining my childhood. That we ended up with annoying nerd culture and obnoxious superfans and a toxic environment full of gatekeeping in any sort of world that you'd think of. Think of any video game or movie. There's a lot of creeps out there. There's a lot of toxic individuals, a lot of gatekeeping. And something like Um Actually is a fun little – I like to say a little clubhouse of that situation where it's not I didn't like this show or I didn't like this thing or blah, blah, blah. It's that I never saw this. I never played this. So I don't know the answer to this question, but this person knows – And instead of that, why feel stupid, fuck this game, this is horseshit, fuck this, the people that they cast are perfectly funny and nice, and they seem genuinely interested in things they do not know about. They've never seen a horror movie, and here's a person who, unfortunately got like a, a good thing cuz maybe they have a horror movie podcast and they're like oh we just watched this on my podcast and it's such a great thing and so what's about is this and this and suddenly it becomes this sort of like in, like intellectual panel game show it's a it's essentially a nerd quiz panel game But with plenty of play along, plenty of jokes and plenty of moments where you go, I should have known that. And oh, I shouldn't. I've never seen that in a way that makes you curious about products and movies and TV shows. Maybe you'll get one to watch eventually. But then there's that sort of snide remark of, but most likely you won't because everyone has a big backlog these days. And that's how culture works. So for me, I'm actually is one of the better game shows. It's proof you do not need to have a cash prize. You don't need to have a trophy. You don't need to really have anything other than you did it to uh, celebrate in addition to having some of the better, funnier people in Los Angeles, improv actors, podcasters, etc., playing this very fun game show on YouTube about how little they know about nerdy things, for the sole purpose of the comments section getting really annoyed, that I know more than these assholes I should be on the show situation. Which is like, you're never gonna be a contestant on the show if you act like that, because that's just douchebaggery. But it's so fun. And I will say right up front, I love this show. It's, again, one of my favorite little shows because of its simplicity, because of its fun, and just the joy it has with every single IP they talk about. And I am in the Los Angeles area, so hey, uh, I'm willing to... To show up, I watched the reality show special. There were a few game show questions, and I'm a little annoyed, but I'm not going to go f- full on on there because they had a price is right question. And that nah, i be good. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, Um actually is such a fun little show. Please check it out if you can. I know there's a lot of things to binge watch these days. Please watch maybe one or two episodes of Um Actually. You will be glad you did. There's a lot of boring quiz shows out there. Here's one that has a fun little format, much like Only Connect, and is such a delightful little show to watch when it shows up every Friday on Dropout or every other Friday, I forget. But yes, please check it out. It's it's called Um Actually. It's just delightful. I I really enjoy Um Actually. Uh, so we go into uh, a little bit of sidetrack with game shows again. Uh, so before we, uh, conclude with dirty laundry, um, I just wanted to say that Jackbox Party Pack 10 is coming soon. Uh, there is a trivia game, an improv game, all sorts of things that is familiar with any fans of the Jackbox Party Pack. I look forward to playing that, but again, like every time uh, one of those comes out, I always feel disappointed because I don't have that many friends to play these games. And it feels like these are meant for the big Twitch streamers with hundreds of viewers and not really a lonely guy who can barely get five people to show up to a fucking discord call. So while I'm excited about Jackbox party pack and games like TKO two, I'm always a little, I beat myself up a lot. Is what I'm trying to say. So, um... Boy, that really brought the mood down. (laughs) Anyway, before we go into party games... uh, So, you know, everyone has those icebreaker challenges. Tell us about yourself situations. And I really wanted to talk about this one because this one is a really cool show. It's called... It's called Dirty Laundry. And there's a sock in a martini glass as Logo. And it's much more than that. Let's take a look. So this is the last act of the episode. It's going to be about a dropout last show, which is going to be Dirty Laundry. But before we get to that, it's basically a spinoff of Game Changer. We've already talked about Game Changer earlier in the episode. Hopefully. Hey, Jordan, make sure Game Changer is before this. And it spawned a lot of spinoffs. Uh, for instance, Make some noise is a spinoff of a Game Changer episode featuring improv actors, basically, uh, and like doing some improvisational scenes. Uh, and I think l- last season Wayne Brady showed up. There is Play It By Ear, which is an improv singing show, which is kind of what they did on Game Changer once, but it's more of a variant of Make Some Noise. Which is more of an improvisational musical show. But those are both improv games. Those aren't game shows. I know Whose Line Is It Anyway. People consider it a game show because panel and all this. But everything's made up and the points don't matter. Just like on those shows. Uh, there is. So between those two great spin-off improv comedy shows. Which check out. It's just improv comedy. It's like five bucks a month. Hey it's like the UCB. But in your TV. Uh, there is a show called Dirty Laundry, which was based off a Zoom call show that they did. Uh, and they made, I think, three seasons of it. And it's so good. If you love Would I Lie to You, which is that sort of two truths and a lie situation uh, show, they have created an even, I would, I'd say cru- crueler version but I would say a more interesting version. It's more of a literal panel game, and it's more of that sort of fun icebreaker game that you would love to see at a party, but no one can ever really commit to, complete with uh, Grant O'Brien playing a bartender surfing up alcoholic drinks. The show is hosted by Lily Doo one of the funniest comedian actors in Hollywood right now, uh, who I would say is pretty wild, and a a perfect fit for a show like this, because she plays a bit of a detective, like, which one of these contestants went skinny-dipped in front of their family member, kind of thing. And instead of going into that whole, like, Baggage because I, I we did the whole GSN thing. I hate fucking baggage. I know people love baggage because, ooh, oh, that's me, oh, furry poured and all the shit. Lily is not playing into the, ooh, this is so rude and cruel. She's playing it into a, well, we're going to make it seem like it's yucky. But then flip it on its side and make it optimistic and fun. Like, we've all been there. We've all have weird shit. Like, we all have weird kinks and all that. It's all fine. It's all cool. And be more optimistic and fun and inviting. Any other sort of show would end up like, oh, we're supposed to hate these celebrities because they went to prison. Or uh, they once... um, stole money or they went shoplifted or some sort of minor inconvenience that we've all kind of had a weird situation involving. And Lily, instead of playing into that rudeness, plays into a more kindness sort of fun idea. So the premise is simple. There are four celebrities. Well, when we mean celebrities, I mean comedy actors from Los Angeles. Um, Rather, they are nerdy or actors or comedians or producers or whatever – and they all have written down before the show uh, truths about themselves. And these are like weird truths. like they once worked as a lifeguard and drowned a child, or they uh, once war- was a bu- they once wa- worked at the Playboy Mansion, some sort of situation like this. In addition to these truths, there are other truths, but not in relation to the four. Because some truths are actually related to either the bartender, Grant O'Brien, or the host, Lily Dew. And you never know who is who. So when a, 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 a little, uh, we'll say a confession. When a confession shows up, it's up to the team to then work together and talk it out and go, well, what does this mean? And then, uh, be like like a to tell the truth, a big reveal. Would whoever did the action please take a sip of your drink? And it becomes this sort of fun, oh, who's it going to be? They take the sip, oh, it's you. And then let's resolve this. What was the story? And then it becomes this more happy, funny, sort of comical moment, and everything is fun. So uh, so for instance, um, we'll make some shit up. Uh I was I once uh I once got stabbed after a stand up set. And then it's like so you got stabbed? Someone got stabbed. And it's like well so someone got so did you piss somebody off? I don't know. So everyone starts talking it out. What does mean stabbed mean? Uh and then you get into like uh then it goes into everyone's talking and then suddenly would whoever got stabbed at a comedy club, please take a sip. And then someone takes a sip and it's like, Oh, that's horrifying. And then it's like, so here's what happened. I finished my set and then I went to the bar and I wanted a lemon. And then I had to slice and the bartender gave me a lemon and the knife and told me to do it myself because they were busy. So I got the knife and then I accidentally cut myself In the chest because I forgot I had the arm in me because I was a little drunk. And then suddenly everything's funny because, oop, I was a little drunk is more of the side story to it. So, if you discover, much like to tell the truth, who is the person that did the thing, you get one point. But, if you are the person who had that truth, it's your goal to deceive everybody and point it at somebody else. Because if nobody suspects you... You get two points. And this is imp- fun because whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins the dirty laundry set, which is like a cocktail shaker, a little mixer, a little more pestle, and I think a vibrator. I think there's a vibrator as a prize. Anyway, at the midpoint of the game, there is a hey, Grant, what are we drinking? And it's sort of like a, a halftime report situation. Grant O'Brien uh, ends up taking over the show to basically serve as like a mini mixologist, giving the history of a cocktail because we're supposed to have this like sort of dive bar feel. Uh, and so it's things like a Manhattan or a gin and tonic or a cosmopolitan and the history of it and why things like this exist and why a ginger beer is important. What's the aroma of? And he goes into a bit of history of the drink and his own interpretation of the drink and then gets into a very drunken stupor because that's the kind of guy he is. But he's such a great, I hate to say flamboyant, but he's such a perfectly flamboyant bartender that you just get excited about seeing him there. And because he has this Perfect, cruel—I would say minx, if I will. Uh, there are times when you hear a situation show up and you just turn your head to Grant and go Someone has snapped a nude and sent it to his teacher. Hmm. <laughs> and then it's just—it becomes very funny. Uh, and of course, sometimes it's Lily Dew and she goes, "I hate you guys." <laughs> So I like it because of its set. It's a very interesting bar-type setting, and Lily playing this sort of... is great. And I I think what I like about it is because there's so many rounds, you get to know something about everybody at the end of the night, which is kind of that kind of icebreaker that you kind of want in a show like Dirty Laundry. So for me... It's such a fantastic show uh, because it's just this light-hearted two truths and a lie situation, and there's plenty of drinking and sex talk. So if you want cum jokes, go to Dirty Laundry. That's that's my that's my review. If you want cum, <laughs> I should really think about what I say on the internet these days. <laughs> Again, all of these shows are just brilliant. And for me, it tells me you don't need to have a big set like what Netflix does with whatever their Squid Games bullshit is. If you have this sort of premise and it's just a fun little project and you have your audience, you can create something amazing. When it comes to a dropout show, you have your niche and you run with it. When it comes to jet lag, you have your niche you run with it, and sometimes that's all you necessarily need because you're coming from your own production standpoint, your own values. You're not trying to twist and turn it for what the uh, shareholders want or what the production uh, people or the executives in charge of production at a, like a channel want for your show because this is all on what you want. And to me, that is the most liberating thing about these modern game shows on the Internet is yes – you're gonna have your prices right and let's make a deals. Eventually Wheel in Jeopardy might show up. But things like jet lag, things like um actually, if you have heart and you have like a big idea and you wanna run with it, it's proof you can create something really special. And it could come up with a great audience. You don't have to necessarily do Hell's Kitchen but this, or let's try and do uh fucking Starcade again. Um, Let's Reboot Games Master You can come up with your own ideas and if they work, people will watch and people like me will tell people to go watch So, that should be the takeaway is that, wow, there is so much awful, awful shit on the internet If you look through all the bullshit you will find nuggets of gold and these four shows are pure gold There will be more soon. I'm sure of it. I will find them. I will talk about them when I can. But for now, I have to go back to the awful streaming services of Hulu and Peacock and see what lies ahead when it comes to Deal or No Deal Island and The Golden Bachelor and Loteria Loca and Snake Oil with David Spade. How fun. Anyway, I'm going to sign off, but before I go, once again, check out Devil's Game on Netflix, check out One Piece. I don't give a shit. We will be back soon when those game shows come out for a review episode. Until then, enjoy those archived episodes on Monday. I will see you soon. Enough. This is Jordan Haas saying Good night and big smooch. Mwah. Oh, never worry. Don't now when yourself. All on television. If you make the right decisions, life's the wheel and you spin it. Not how you play, but but how you win it. Like the stage and we are the players. Joker, Joker, Devil.